this is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to Hustle and Pro. So if you aren't a Formula One fan um, yet, I hope you will be by the end of this episode because we're talking Formula One today with our own Swad Betovic. He's here to catch us up to speed. Get, see what I did? Speed? Speed, speed yes. There. I love it. On F1. So hi, Swad. How's it going? Hi. It's going great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm excited to learn more. Now, this is another one of those things where I am not an expert in this field, but you're going to fill me in and teach me and my uh, listeners a little bit about it. So, I would love but to, yes. Before we jump into that stuff, I do want to get some quick hits and learn some of your favorites. I'm anxious to hear about a couple of these things. Okay. Who would you say is your favorite athlete of all time? Favorite athlete of all time, um, it was a close race uh, between Mike Modano and Dirk Nowitzki, but uh, over the last like five to ten years since uh, Modano retired, it would probably have to be Dirk. Dirk, he got, he played a little longer, so he got top of your list. Yeah, that helps. What about your all-time favorite team? All-time favorite team, that's, uh, that's a good question, because uh, I'm, uh, I'm European, and I'm going to mention that several times today, uh, so I'm, I'm more of a soccer guy than, mm-hmm. than anything else, so I'm, you know, I like a lot of the uh, English Premier League teams, uh, you know, like Chelsea or Liverpool, um, so that, those would probably be my favorite, yeah. Uh, or now, um, I would have to add um, FC Roma uh, in Italian uh, Serie A, because uh, one of the great Bosnian players is playing there, Edin Dzeko. Oh, okay. Yeah. You and Jack will have to talk. He's, he is now a Chelsea fan okay. because of Pulisic, so yeah, there he's got go. his Chelsea gear now. So mm-hmm. next time you see him, you guys can talk talk all things Chelsea, right? Yeah. Um, so what's your favorite sport to play? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not very coordinated, uh, and I, I don't do well in team sports. Uh, but I, I'm a little bit of a runner, so I like running. Uh, but uh, as far as team sports, uh, I like running around the soccer field. Um, I played some indoor soccer here in the leagues in Frisco. Uh, and I usually just stay away from the ball, bring a, a defender over to my side so the other guys can score goals. What about your favorite sport to watch? Uh, favorite sport to watch has to be soccer. Uh, but I, I enjoy a couple of others. Um, uh, tennis is one of them. I, I love watching tennis, especially on the highest level. Um, and, of course, uh, Formula One, which we'll talk about today. Yes. Now, I'm curious about this one. Mm-hmm. Farthest distance you've traveled to watch sports or to play sports, I doubt it's playing it yourself, but maybe to watch sports. Ooh, that's, uh, that's an interesting one. I can't quite... Oh, well, yeah, okay, so that, that kind of ties into what we're talking about today, because uh, I did travel to Austin for the inaugural Formula One race uh, in 2012, when the racetrack just opened. Uh, it was a brand new thing, and I was kind of expecting it to uh, to be pretty cool because it's been building for about a year and a half. I think they started construction in 2010. So when the race rolled around, yeah, I traveled. It's not a big distance, I suppose, you know, uh, 250 or so miles. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's So fun. I was expecting you to say... A European soccer game. Well, um, yeah, but most of those were in, in my backyard. Although <laughs> one time when I went uh, back to uh, to Bosnia to visit my fa- parents and, and my uh, my family, which is where I'm from, uh, my sister took me to one of the local um, uh, teams' uh, soccer games. So even though that's still kind of my backyard, I traveled about six thousand miles to go see that uh, soccer game. So you know, maybe that counts. Seems far. All right, let's talk Formula One. Let's. So. First, I guess, maybe just give us a little overview. I mm-hmm. mean, 
people like me know that it's racing, yes. but there's lots of forms of racing. And I've thought, okay, I've been to Texas Motor Speedway. I've seen NASCAR races. I've seen IndyCar races. Mm-hmm. There's other races. So, like, what's the the summary of what what are we talking about when we say Formula One? Formula One is basically the highest level of motorsports. Uh, it's open wheel racing, so the cars kind of look like IndyCar racing. Uh, uh, IndyCar uh, racer cars. Uh, however, they don't uh, necessarily compete on ovals. Uh, they are all on road tracks. They are either purposefully built uh, road circuits uh, or on a, on a couple of occasions they run uh, on a racetrack that was built on city streets. So in, uh, in Monaco and in Singapore, maybe one or two other places. Um, so uh, they, are, they are very fast. They are very light. It's basically the highest level of technology and, uh, and know-how. Uh, over the last five or six years, they've been using V6 hybrid engines uh, that, that use some kind of a kinetic uh, recovery uh, system to get even more power. It's, it's basically magic, uh, but <laughs> over, over the years, it kind of some of that technology uh, trickles down into uh, passenger cars that we, that we drive around, maybe some of the higher-end features or maybe even uh, some of the hybrid features that they've been doing. So then let's talk about that. So... Um in the small amount I know, so you you maybe root for a team, and mm-hmm. that team is based on like the car type, right, or manufacturer. I don't I don't know. That's right. So current season uh, has ten manufacturers. Each manufacturer has two cars uh, driven by two drivers. So each team has two drivers, um, and they all compete uh, on two levels. One is the constructors uh, championship, which is uh, where you add up the um, points that each individual driver. Uh, scored uh, within a team, uh, and then you have the drivers' uh, championship, uh, where the drivers compete against each other, uh, and then at the end of the year, they basically uh, assign those uh, those trophies. Uh, and fun fact: uh, we're recording this right after the Japanese uh, Grand Prix, um, with four races to go. Mercedes um, clinched their sixth in a row. Uh, constructors uh, championship. Okay, so Mercedes is a is a top player. Yes, yes, they've been dominant over the last five or six years. And then other cars like Ferrari, mm-hmm. right? Fer- Ferrari is right behind. Uh, they they didn't have a great season last year. They had a couple of wins, but uh, they came back strong this year. Uh, they had some issues early on in the race, but they are still uh, strong in the second uh, place in the constructors championship. And uh, they had uh, three wins uh, this season. Uh, between the two drivers, so they they've been coming back. Uh, they had some some issues, and we we Ferrari fans, uh, because I'm recording oh. this in a Ferrari jacket. Um, I we was, was going to ask yeah. you, is that your is that who you root See, for? See, you know, I grew up in Europe, and it was a Ferrari is a is a huge name in Europe, uh, not just in in road cars, uh, which we know them uh, all over the world, but specifically because of Formula One racing. You know, they're rad, red, they're flashy, they, they go fast, you know, they usually have the best drivers, um, and uh, I was always a Ferrari fan. But Mercedes has given them a run for their money. Who else? Like, what are the other big players and maybe, I don't know, names we've heard of, but also um, car types we haven't heard of? Right. Uh. So so the, the, the third uh, of those big manufacturers uh, has been Red Bull Racing, uh, and they kind of came into uh, racing uh, in Formula One about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, with some really talented designers and uh, and technicians, and they've been uh, actually uh, they were able to win some championships uh, before, both the drivers and constructors. Uh, this year, they're kind of uh, you know playing third place to those other two, but they have a really good young driver. Uh, his name is Max Verstappen. 
Uh, he's from uh, from Belgium and uh, and Netherlands. He he uh, races under the Netherlands under the Dutch flag. Uh, his father was actually a Formula One driver back in the eighties and nineties. His oh, wow. name his name is Jos Verstappen. So that's uh, that's kind of in his blood. Wow, that's um, neat. Mercedes actually a couple of years ago had another driver whose father was a, a world champion. Uh, that was Keke Rosberg uh, back in the eighties, some uh, sometime, uh, and his son Nico was with Mercedes. Uh, and he won a world championship a couple of years ago. Wow. So when Red Bull, you say Red Bull, I mean, they're not a manufacturer. So they, are, they're just like um, building a team. And mm-hmm. so are they associated with like Honda and yes. only Honda? Or do yeah. they have all kinds of cars? So, so um, they have a Honda engine. Uh, so each uh, manufacturers ha- have a, have a different engine. Uh, they are all built to certain specifications. So Mercedes has their own and Ferrari has their own. Um, but Red Bull got theirs from Honda, who's been in Formula okay. One for many years. And then some of the other teams uh, borrow the engines from those bigger manufacturers like Ferrari and Mercedes and others. Um, so you have um, you know, other teams that also have that same Ferrari engine, but their cars look a little bit different. They're designed a little bit differently. It's all very, very secretive uh, how they develop those cars. Some technology trade secrets that people are trying to always steal and one-up everybody, right? I mean, that's what it's all about, is who can figure out the best way to make these cars perform. That's that's right, because in Formula One, even a millisecond counts, uh, so they, they try to make the cars as light as possible, as durable as possible, and of course, as fast as possible. Uh, but there's a lot that goes into it, and, and like I said, if they can save a tenth of a second over a course of a, a three or four mile lap, uh, you know, they'll do it, because that means that uh, the difference between winning the race and not. All right, so laps. So let's talk about mm-hmm. the tracks. You mentioned that part of what makes Formula One Formula One is that it's the the track is not just a basic oval That's right. where you're going they turn left right. turn after left turn, right? Yeah. So um, some tracks are actually like streets, right? But then some are made specifically for racing. So mm-hmm. what are what are some of the the more well known ones or mm-hmm. known for being notoriously known for being bad or whatever harder. Right. So tell me about about the tracks. Uh, so some of the famous, uh, most famous uh, uh, tracks are, for example, I, I would have to mention Spa Francorchamps in Belgium, uh, Belgium, uh, because that it, you know the 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 racetrack goes up and down hills. The old the layout of the of the track included like fifteen miles. It was a, it was a huge uh, racetrack, but uh, now most of it remains, and it's a, it's a beautiful racetrack to uh, to go on uh, drivers love it uh, they, they have a lot of fast corners slow corners uh, long straights and all of that um, on the opposite end of that you have uh, the Grand Prix of Monaco which is always run in Monte Carlo on on actual on actual streets uh, in now the- is this what I feel like is known for I mean, this is kind of like the most famous looking one. You, when when you people like me that. think of it, is yeah. that the one I'm thinking of? It's, it's what, probably the Super Bowl of yeah. Formula One. You know, all the celebrities show up, you know, because it's Monte Carlo and they all have their yachts parked outside in the marina, and which which they race around that marina. That's what so. I'm picturing, like mountainside, yes. ocean. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, they have the, the ocean there, uh, the Mediterranean. And then they, they literally run through... Uh, city streets and uh, everything is really cramped. There's uh, there's barriers all over the place. So if you put a wheel wrong, like your your race is over, uh, basically, because as soon as you crash, you're out. Uh, in some of these other uh, racetracks, you know, you have some runoff area, so you can go wide and then get back on the track. But uh, in these city uh, city tracks, you cannot. No um, forgiveness. Right, exactly. So, uh, Singapore is another one that I mentioned earlier uh, because uh, not only is it a 
um, a street uh, circuit. It, it is also a night street circuit. Um, a lot of these um, uh, racetracks, um, uh, races are actually run, uh, run sometime in the uh, early afternoon uh, European time, so like very early in the morning um, our time. Um, and uh, when they have a race uh, so far east, like in Singapore, um, they actually want to do it at night so that uh, people in Europe uh, can kind of watch it at more mm -hmm. or less the regular time. So they use thousands and thousands of watts of lighting uh, on those street lights so that the drivers have, uh, you know, full visibility and everything. But, I mean, when you look at that, it's it's really cool because it's a it's a dark area with with just that racetrack yeah, lit up. I bet that is like cool crazy. looking. I bet yeah. it changes strategy, too. I mean visibility and all kinds of things. I mean, even just us driving on every day, it's harder to see at night and you see things differently. And That's right. Uh, actually, uh, I think the race in Abu Dhabi uh, starts kind of at sunset and then when the sun goes down and things start cooling. Uh, the cars perform differently and, you know, the, the teams have to account oh, yeah, for all yeah. that. Yeah. Tires, everything. Mm -hmm. What about American tracks? I mean, where do we race here? And then yeah. we're going to talk about some of those races, but like track wise, what's, what's here? Right. So, uh, for the longest time, uh, in like late nineties and, uh, early two thousands, uh, the, uh, U.S. Grand Prix was in Indianapolis at the, at the brickyard, but they had the infield section where, uh, they would go, you know, they would have a couple of uh, right turns. They would actually go up on the oval for about a mile, but they would go in the, in the opposite direction uh, from, from the NASCAR and IndyCar uh, races. Uh, but that uh, contract expired in the mid-2000s, and uh, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the word came up that Austin actually won that uh, contract for the, uh, to build a purposefully built uh, racetrack for the U.S. Grand Prix, and like I said earlier, the the first one was built. Um, the first one was ran in uh, 2012. It's a really cool racetrack. Um, this Austin, yes, and it's called Circuit of the Americas. Circuit of the Americas. That's or, what or, the track is called. That's what the track. Because that called. sounds more like a series or a racing series, <laughs> or something, but that's what the name of the track is. Right, right, okay. yeah, because it's kind of a nod to not only the North America but the Central and and the Southern uh, South America as well, because that's kind of close to everything because it's uh, uh, it's there. So Circuit of the Americas or Coda uh, for short, because that's the acronym um the, the there are a couple of really cool features of the of the racetrack and uh, probably the coolest is uh, turn one because when they are on the starting grid uh they have a standing start by the way in formula one they, they don't just uh, do a running it's not start. the rolling slower right right they they, they, they have to uh, start from from uh, being perfectly still uh so as they start they climb up some three or four hundred feet up in the uh in the hill uh, that's at turn one. So when you when you actually look at it from uh, from the uh, from the level of the pit lane, uh, it's just a huge wall of asphalt, and then you have to like climb up to it, and then you know take that first left hander and go all the way down. Uh, so it's it's actually a really really cool. Uh, oh, visually, yeah, yeah, a really cool visual, cool perspective, right? Uh -huh. You see up. And then up after and that, there are a couple of really cool S's, uh, which kind of uh, are, are kind of the driver's test. You have to hit just the right line in, in each of those three or four corners. And then there's the long back straight uh, leading into the stadium section where uh, if you have a seat in that area, uh, you can kind of see a lot of the racetrack and, uh, and then they get back onto the, uh, the main straight. It's about three and a half, three point six 3.6 miles uh, uh, in length uh, for the lap. Yeah. And so that's a lap. 
Yes, that's a lap, and, and they have to go around, uh, I don't know, 50 or so times. Okay. I think the by regulations, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, each Formula One race has to be 300 kilometers uh, in, in distance uh, or two hours. Uh, so uh, on occasion, if, especially if it's raining or if they have safety car issues, um, they can call a race after two hours of racing. So no F1 uh, race should be longer than two hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. We talk about Circuit of the Americas, and mm-hmm. this we're about to come up on race time here, so yeah. in Austin, right? So, up, yeah. um, let's let's talk about some of these races. So this the season is comprised of several races, like twenty mm-hmm. twenty one, twenty one this year, twenty one. And so we're we're like mid season, or at least we're in season it, right it's, now. Yeah, we're towards the end. We have four races left: um, Mexico, U.S., Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay. We're towards the end. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Austin is coming up here mm-hmm. November 1st through 3rd. So it's a Correct. couple qualifiers or something? I mean, it's not just like show up and there's one race, right? Right. So those dates that you mentioned, uh, there's a couple of things that happen on each date. So on November 1st, that's going to be Friday, uh, they have two free practices, 90 minutes each, where teams kind of go out to just get to know the track and figure out how their cars work, how the tires work. They may l- run on a full fuel load, you know, to see how the cars behave on their under that, and then they may have some qualifying runs with low fuel load because even just a, the tank of fuel makes a big difference in the in the lap time. So when they're qualifying, which is on uh, Saturday, uh, along with one other practice, uh, qualifying they run you know basically on fumes. They only have enough fuel to complete those couple of uh, qualifying runs. They go as fast as possible. Um, and then they that determines the grid for the for the race, which is on Sunday. Uh, okay, but, but so the, Sunday is the big big race day. Yeah, Sunday okay. is, is race day. Yeah, but but the cool thing about that is if you go to an event like that, they also have these support races. Um, so when I went a couple of years ago, uh, they had uh, an F one, uh, uh, sorry, on a Ferrari uh, club races. They had uh, Porsche nine eleven club races. They even have historic Formula One car races, which is really cool. You have these cars from the 70s and 80s that that, uh, uh, some of the most famous names in Formula One history used to drive. Uh, and they actually follow that same uh, same pattern. So they have uh, practice on Friday and qualifying on uh, on Saturday. And then on, on Sunday, they have those races. And then all of that is kind of leading up to the main Formula One race on Sunday. The main show. Mm-hmm. But if, as a spectator, you can see a lot of different races. It's not just... Exactly. One one yeah, shot. You don't you don't go there just for an hour or two hours of, of a Formula One race or qualifying. You you're there for a whole day. And actually, what uh, what circuits of, uh, circuit of the Americas uh, has been doing over the last uh, few years is they usually have a big concert on Friday and Saturday, uh, which is kind of you know uh, in in line with the Austin. Austin. Yeah, because yeah. that's a that's a, a, a cool I would expect music nothing center. less exactly than exactly. Austin to provide some live music. Right. Right, so, in town. so this year it's Imagine Dragons uh, on Friday. So if you missed them last year here in Frisco, uh, you can go to Austin and see Imagine Dragons on Friday. And then on Saturday, uh, it's pink. Uh, oh, wow, those are big. Yeah. Do they play, I mean, is there, like, is it at the venue, like at the track? Yeah, it's basically in the, um, in like the, the grandstands area of the track. They have like a, a big tower and around that tower they built a, an amphitheater where they have uh, music performances. So this track stretched out obviously three and a half plus miles is, mm-hmm. it's not small, right? So right. how many people are we talking about going when you talk about a race weekend, mm-hmm. how many people are we talking? Uh, six digits, 
Uh, we're talking 150, 200,000 people. Um, that sometimes that number is over the course of the weekend, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, those those venues are are huge. Uh, there are obviously grandstands where where you can find you know assigned seating, but there's also uh, you know bleachers and and uh, general admission tickets where you can just you know set up on a lawn uh, on the hill overlooking a part of the racetrack and uh, and set up your your shop there. Uh, so yeah, the, a lot of those uh, a lot of those races will have um, up to two hundred thousand or more people. So when you're there, uh, I've told you I've been to like Texas Motor Speedway once or twice, mm -hmm. and the people that know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They've been there before. They do the RVing, and mm -hmm. it's a thing. It's a big thing. Um, and there's, you know, headphones and people listening in different channels for their team and this and that. And, like, I'm so left out because I look to my right, and there's, like, a 7-year-old who obviously knows what's going on, and right. I have no clue what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of thing happen at Formula One? They do. And, and what's, uh, what's really cool is even if you're not there, uh, literally on site, they have access uh, to that sort of thing. So uh, there's an actually uh, an F1 app. There's two apps. One is just like for, uh, for news and stuff. But the other one is for that live feed where you can not only listen to, but you can actually watch the onboard cameras uh, from each driver. Oh, so if, wow. you if you have a favorite driver, you can just tune into his channel and watch what he's seeing the whole race, uh, following the, the scoring and, and positions and That's all of cool. that stuff. So you can, you can put that on multiple screens. And it, it's actually a really, really well-developed uh, app. And uh, it allows you to, to watch like every segment of the track uh, in, in real time. That's neat. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be there for that. You can access the technology. Right. To watch us anywhere mm -hmm, you are. That's mm -hmm. great. Drivers, do you have yes. a guy that, or a, I mean, I know it's a team of people. I know it's right. not just one guy who makes all this happen, but mm -hmm. is there a, fa who's your favorite driver? Uh, well, my favorite driver is, is Kimi Raikkonen. He is literally the oldest driver in the field. Uh, he is, uh, I think he turned 40. Uh, this year. That's so old. Yeah, he won his <laughs> first race before some of these guys were born. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, but he's he's in a lower-end team, and, and he hasn't been doing as well. But he is the defending champion at the United States Grand Prix because oh, he okay. actually won the race last year because he was with Ferrari, so he had a much better car. So he might be on his way, you know, out of this career, but... He's been doing it a while, so you you let that's your guy. I, I I like him. However, there's at the top there are four drivers. Two of them are over thirty, and the two of them are twenty two. Wow! So the guys that are over thirty, between them, uh, they have nine world championships. Uh, that's uh, Lewis Hamilton, who uh, who drives for Mercedes, uh, and Sebastian Vettel, uh, who drives for Ferrari. They they have been rivals for literally ten years or more. Um, and then the world championship kind of goes back between the two of them. Uh, obviously, with Mercedes, uh, Hamilton has been uh, much more dominant. And in fact, uh, Vettel actually won his championships with uh, Red Bull Racing uh, between 2010 and 2013. So he hasn't had as much success with Ferrari as he would have liked. So they are big rivals. Hamilton is, is currently first in the standings. Uh, he only needs a few uh, good results to lock in his sixth uh, world championship uh, for, for the drivers uh, championship. So he's probably one of the best drivers of this generation. I mean, he's, he's pretty amazing. He, he's been very dominant um, this whole year. He's won nine of these 17 races. Wow. So he, he's been really good. Uh, but I really want to talk about these two young drivers. 
because I think that's kind of where the future of, of Formula One is, is going. One of them is uh, Charles Leclerc. He's uh, driving for Ferrari. He's the other Ferrari driver. Um, and Say the name again. Charles. Uh, so like Charles. Charles okay, right? okay. So, so he's, he's French. He's actually born in Monaco. So, um, or he's from Monaco. Um, and uh, his last name is Leclerc. Okay. Leclerc. So Charles Leclerc. Um, he is 22 years old. This is his uh, second season, full season in, in Formula One. Last year he was with a support team. Now he's driving with Ferrari. Uh, and he's been super quick, uh, really fast. He's been uh, really dominant in qualifying. He has, I think, four or five uh, pole positions this year. He has, uh, he's had some bad luck in races, so he hasn't won as many as he would have liked. But he won two uh, recently in Belgium and Italy. Uh, so he's definitely the driver... Uh, to watch, uh, if not this season, then you know maybe next season because he's he's going to be a contender for the championship uh, very very quickly. Is that Ferrari's top driver? Uh, well, Vettel is there and he's been there for a long time. He's much more experienced, okay. so he's technically the number one. But but Leclerc has a- actually been outperforming him in uh, in a lot of races. So, so Ferrari's got a good legacy coming back, or a good you know backfill. Of a younger guy coming that's, out. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you have a, a great quarterback like a Tom Brady and you have somebody on, on the bench, uh, you know, who's just ready to, to get in and, and win the game for you, right? So, so Otherwise, that's, that's I right. mean, like, so Mercedes is at the top. And then so if Hamilton's done, whenever he's done... You know, they could have a couple years of slower results, right? That's, if they haven't usually, filled it back in. Yeah, that's usually what happens because, uh, you know, they, they kind of run with those uh, top-end drivers as much as they can because they uh, keep winning championships. Uh, but occasionally the, the rules will change, the, the specs on the cars need to change, and some teams adapt to that better than others, and all of a sudden uh, the, the, the tide will shift yeah. and some other team will have a much more dominant car, and then you, you don't win as much just based on how good your driver is. So okay. it's, it's a whole team effort. Right. You, so was there another young driver you wanted to mention? Yeah, I wanted to get back to, to Max Verstappen uh, again because I mentioned him earlier. Uh, he, he's been uh, driving in Formula One. He has uh, been the youngest uh, driver to, w- to do like a dozen different things in Formula One. He literally started when he was 17 and a half years old. Uh, he's now 22, so he's the same age as Leclerc. The irony of that. Like, you just get your license in the real world, and then exactly. he's he's driving a couple hundred miles an hour racing Basically, across the world. And winning races, like against some of these uh, these guys who are, like I mentioned, best uh, one of the best drivers or some of the best drivers that we've ever seen in Formula One. Uh, and he's winning races or, or, you know, getting really good results. He won two races again this year. Uh, so he's uh, driving for Red Bull. Uh, and because of him, they're, they're going to be competitive for, for a long time uh, because he's, he's young, he's hungry, uh, and he's very, very talented. The popularity of this sport, so I might not know much about it, but globally mm-hmm. and, you know, worldwide, especially Europe, right, is, this, is that the, the place where it's the most popular? Uh, it is, but it is being quickly uh, overcome by uh, both the Middle East and the Far East uh, because uh, we've had a, a race already in the Middle East uh, early in the season in Bahrain, and then obviously we're finishing up the season in Abu Dhabi. Uh, do, both of those race uh, racetracks were purposefully built uh, for Formula One racing because obviously there's a lot of money in that area and they want to uh, attract even more. Um, there's there's billions of dollars around Formula One. It's it's even hard to compare to anything else because it's it's just so far ahead of everything else. It, it's not just for development of the cars. 
uh, the engines, the drivers, and everything else, but just the infrastructure in building and maintaining a racetrack uh, and the huge marketing budgets that all the teams have and, and the uh, the governing body of the of the sport is it, just a, a, a huge business. Is this bigger than NASCAR? Yes. It is. Okay. Yes. Because I feel like NASCAR, I mean, I've, probably because where, where we live here, it's a, it seems big, but I feel like that is a huge business. It is. So it's bigger than that. It is, but in, in one sense, uh, somebody, let's say, in uh, anywhere in the rest of the world will not get up at, uh, at midnight to watch a race live, a NASCAR race live. Whereas, um, you know, uh, when Japan race started at midnight our time and I stayed up until 2 o'clock to watch it live just so I know who won, uh, that's, it, it's, it's just a, a, on a different level. Yeah, and these drivers are making, they're being paid more than a lot of some of our best paid American athletes in traditional sports here in America. Yeah, they would, they would get paid upwards of, you know, 20, 30 millions, uh, million dollars for a season. Some of these uh, drivers that we mentioned, some of the others, obviously a lot less. Uh, some of the other teams don't have as big budgets uh, as, as Ferrari and Mercedes. Uh, but uh, drivers also gain a lot of other sponsorships. That's mm -hmm. kind of one of the, the main driver of uh, driver, that was a pun, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of motorsports in general, you know, because you, you pick a driver who's going to bring you a sponsor who's going to pay for the cost of running an F1 team, of, you know, putting all of your, uh, your equipment on, a, on an airplane and, and flying a, halfway across the world uh, to a race and then unpacking it all and making sure that everything is uh, where it's supposed to be and, and that you still win races. So obviously the costs involved of running an F1 team are huge. And one of the uh, F1 teams is actually American. Uh, that's a Haas uh, F1 team. Uh, and it's uh, it's owned uh, by uh, by a couple of Americans, and uh, they uh, they have drivers uh, Kevin Magnuson and uh, Roman Grosjean, who are I think the longest running duo of drivers currently in the field. So they've they've liked them for for a long time. They're they're kind of always in the middle, kind of fighting with some of those uh, middle level teams, but occasionally they have a they have a really good result, um, and hopefully you know that's kind of like a toehold. Uh, on the uh, American uh, market, and that, yeah, that, keeps uh, us in involved. Exactly, exactly. What's it called again? Haas, you say? Haas, yes, H A A S. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have mm -hmm. you always been a Formula One fan? Yeah, so the first Formula One races uh, as a season, as a Grand Prix, were run sometime in the fifties, right? So it's it's been around for a long time, and. Uh, uh, growing up, I was watching uh, Alain Prost and and Arton Senna kind of duke it out on the on all these racetracks in the eighties and nineties. Uh, both of those are multiple world champ world champions, some of the best drivers uh, ever. You know, basically legends of the sport. And after that uh, came Michael Schumacher, who won uh, I, I believe seven total uh, world championships. He's one of the most successful drivers ever. Um, so you have like these personalities that kind of. Uh, push the sport along, but uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll pick somebody different and somebody who I like, uh, and uh, and yeah, I've been following it since I was uh, since I was like eight or nine years old. I've known you for probably I don't know three years, maybe something now? like that. Yeah, and you're my you're my FC Dallas friend because mm -hmm. we like soccer and we see each other there a lot. Mm -hmm. Part of it is work related, right? True. You're you're on field photographer many of those games. Have you? Well, I'm first of all, I didn't know until just recently that you were this big into Formula One, so I'm mm -hmm. fascinated. So, yeah. thank you for the lesson. Of course. Um, have you ever gotten to photograph Formula One? 
Well, technically, I brought my camera uh, to that F1 race that I went to. Uh, I guess they don't have as many restrictions as some of the other sports. Part of the reason for that is to get a good photo at a, at a F1 race, you have to know what you're doing. Yeah, you, you that have can't to, be easy. Yeah, it's no, not just going to happen upon you know snap and there's a. That's right. You got to be in the right place and yeah. imagine the timing because these cars are going. I read two fifteen is like yes, to, to, but over two hundred miles an hour easily. Um, and actually, uh, the seat that I picked uh, when I went to uh, Circuit of the Americas uh, was at the uh, uh, I believe it's uh, turn twelve, which is at the end of a long straight. So they go as fast as they can for as long as they can, and then they break hard, and that's usually an opportunity. For for overtaking. And sure enough, in the race uh, that I was there at, that was in 2012, uh, Sebastian Vettel was on the pole, um, r- led basically the whole race, but sometime like 10, 15 laps before the end, uh, Hamilton was behind him the whole race and he was able to overtake him literally right in front of me. And I have a lot of pictures of that. Cool. Um, and and uh, not only on th- of those cars, but all, all those other support races. Uh, but you you always see that security fence in my photos and all of that because they, you know they were taken from the from the grandstands. But hey, maybe next year Lifestyle Frisco figures out a way to get me a credential so that I can go there to Austin and take some good pictures. Well, we will of, work uh, on that. Yeah, let's you know do what it. I realized? I will be in Austin. During Ooh, the race, so wow. I go. I, it's high school girls trip kind of thing, okay. and we have a, a a place rented, but it's not anywhere like in town. And I don't even know how close. I'm gonna go look it up. I'm like, oh, we're gonna be next door. It would be kind of funny. Yeah, doubt it because it was actually available. So right. um, doubt that it's anywhere near where these crowds are gonna be. But it's kind of mm-hmm. funny. I thought, oh, that would have been smart of me to plan ahead. But <laughs> now that I know what it is, now that you've told me yeah. what to look for, maybe we'll we'll get there one day. The tickets just for Sunday, I believe, can be uh, had uh, for less than a hundred bucks. Uh, but that's general admission. Obviously, if you want grandstand seats, that's, I think, 150. Uh, and keep in mind that uh, the racetrack is actually on the other side of the uh, Highway 130, that uh, fastest uh, highway in Texas, because the, the speed limit is 85, which is really cool, uh, which is appropriate because that's where the racetrack is. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, thanks for the info. You're so welcome. I learned a lot. I know it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's, <laughs> there's a lot to get into it with any sport. You know, mm-hmm. that's just scratching the surface and introducing people to it. And uh, you love it for all kinds of reasons. That once you get deep into it, you know it like the back of your hand. But mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking time to explain it to me, so that I know what to watch out for. Now I'll I'll cruise by it on TV or be able to look for it and know a little bit of who I'm watching and that, what's going. That's on That's right. Out there. You'll be like, oh look, Leclerc. I heard about him. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's awesome. Yes. Well, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Hustle and Pro this episode today. Um, So be sure to subscribe however you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, we'll see you next week.